Do you love the Bad Film Club? Consider supporting us through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you want to give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in our show description to support us in any way that you can. We really appreciate it. This is the Bad Film Club, starring Holly Gordon and Shanae Navigela. Your feature is about to begin. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year too. Happy New Year. (laughs) 2021. I know. Scary. I mean, good and bad. It's good and bad. The worst. I mean, can't get any worse, right? No, no. (laughs) The bar is very low. (laughs) This is a bad film club and we talk about bad films. I'm Holly Gordon. And I'm Shanae Vigela. And this week we're talking about the 2004 film Van Helsing. This film. What are your thoughts? It's so... <laughs> this film. So I will... Can I... I'm going to caveat mm-hmm. all my opinions for this film and this for this week that I very much enjoyed this film growing up, but have not seen it in probably about 10-ish, coming up to about 10 years. So I'm a bit annoyed that I didn't enjoy it. I don't know why. <laughs> Completely agree with you. I feel like this was such a staple of my childhood i really remember watching it and i feel like i watched it more than once growing up i definitely watched it more than once growing up because i rented it from the local (laughs) no from the library growing up (gasps) i rented it from the library in my area growing up i believe on vc was a video yeah vhs vhs and then i remember being in secondary school and Obviously, they the library at school had well. My library at school had a, like a really small DVD collection. When I was old enough to rent it on DVD from school, I you rented did. it from DVD in school because we so used funny. to have. I grew up having like one of those like combined video and DVD players that are now yeah, non-existent yeah. and existent anymore. But I remember growing up, and this was a pretty staple film of my childhood. But saying that, and considering how many times I did watch it, I watched it again for this podcast and none of the the only bit I remember is quite near the end but none of it I remember yeah I really don't and I really don't feel like it was when I watched it I really felt like it was a good film when I was younger and then I re-watched it and I was just like it doesn't make sense none of this (gasps) plot makes sense what's happening I don't understand and how is it so long (laughs) yes two hours long it's an hour and 31 minutes sorry it's 131 minutes that's two hours, over two hours long. I agree, because I definitely... So watching this and writing notes, I obviously watching this after such a long period of not watching it, I was so confused. Like, I think I'm quite good at following plots, but this was so confusing. Like, I think the thing that really confused me was the folklore side to it. Like, the, uh, what's it, all, the <laughs> all the, like, what's it called? Like, all the reasoning behind this whole, the whole point of the film, basically. The whole film yeah. was just feel, felt like, was I don't understand. I think it's a weak premise for such a good character. Yeah, and also it's, like, includes a lot of other characters. Yeah, like, monster mashup. It's Bram yeah. Stoker characters, so he's kind of, like, they're all, they're all part of the film, but it just, hmm, yeah, it was very confusing. Yeah, it causes that gothic horror narrative. So let's just talk about contextuality. Um, so Stephen Summers wrote and directed this film. 
who I'm very disappointed with because I love the Mummy film. Yes, he wrote... And that was released in 1999. Yeah. So this is only like five years later and this is the train wreck compared. Yeah, he... Yes, he did The Mummy and the mummy and its sequel, which came out, which were the two films mm-hmm. before this one. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. He Maybe he peaked mm-hmm. early. <laughs> yeah. So he did this for Universal and this is like 10 years after an interview with a vampire, the... Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt one, and mm. do you remember the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein? He's like really making a conscious effort to act um, in that <laughs> film. So it's like that, they're all like quite artsy and highbrow, and then it's like the studio were like, let's capitalize on those from ten years ago and let's flip them and do something edgy and cool and very two thousands. So everyone wears leather. There's a lot of like mm. dark tones, weather sequences and CGI that is kind of unnecessary. And, <laughs> and then centre it around Van Helsing, who I don't know if people would know who he was if they haven't read Dracula. So basically he's the doctor. He's Dr. Abraham Van Helsing in the book. So he's like a vampire hunter, quote unquote vampire hunter. Is he like, is he, is he, is he, the characterization of this Hugh Jackman one, is it yeah. very different to the, like the characterization of the original one from the book? So they very I'm t- going to contextualize it for you and tell you <laughs> that the people that used to play Van Helsing are people like Laurence Olivier. Oh, oh. and then they throw that out. And <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Oh, so already dear. it doesn't make any sense. And I just don't think that, I guess, like an early Freudian kind of doctor is, is going to be Hugh Jackman. It sounds like, I haven't read Dracula, but from the context, it sounds like he's like a sci- he's got like a science background. And there is, n- mm-hmm. and whereas like this characterization of him is like he was raised by the, uh, he was like what raised by the order which is like a religious question mark like yeah it's like it's like it, like the vatican like it's like based in rome in the vatican and it's mm-hmm. like this um what religious organization that basically have decided to that that is their responsibility to defeat all types of evil and he was like raised raised and educated by them yeah, he's essentially a... Oh, hello, cat. <laughs> my cat went under my bed instead of going out the door, so I'm just going to have to leave it for him. Anyway, carry on. Um, so he's essentially a, a holy hitman, <laughs> which is <laughs> them making, I guess, gothic horror sexy? I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it for the script, but I don't think they entirely <laughs> made it work how they envisioned or Stephen Summers. I don't feel like he wrote this in a way that it it was then played out on the screen. Or maybe I'm giving him too much credit and it was just a bad script. Do you think it... It was a bad script, I lied. <laughs> it is a bad script. A some bit... of the writing, I'm just like, ooh. It's not very good. Um, I was thinking, does it... Do you think that... Was this... In, well, this came out in 2004. So, like, if you... In the last, like, what... 20 years we were before that you had obviously things like indiana jones who were like yeah the action that's how they played him as well they made him like a gothic horror indiana jones that's exactly how they dressed yeah him. That's exactly what they tried to make him out to be yeah and like i guess from the original like the original book he's not like that but it was like maybe to make it more attractive and more kind of like mm, yeah exciting because this this film is a period action horror film there's nothing to do with like 
the fact that it's vampires so i would assume that fantasy should also be considered but it's part of the unit is to pay the film is a homage and tribute to the universal horror monster films from the 1930s and 40s yeah produced by universal studios which they have tried which to I think reboot you can tell. yeah and they've tried to re- yeah. recently reboot them with the tom cruise mummy didn't they but then that failed yeah we're not we don't talk about that film that is <laughs> well, maybe, not exist in my canon well, maybe we should maybe we will <laughs> maybe we should talk about it but oh my lord i don't even feel like it's an homage because they just blatantly chucked in like monster after monster after monster and then like mush them together in a way that does is not cohesive mm. It doesn't really make sense. I don't know enough about these monsters from like their original context to like. Yeah. I don't like. I didn't like. Are they supposed to all be? It does. Did the author of the books like Brock Bram Stoker? Did he plat like envision that they all lived so, within the same world? Well, actually, so they're not all by Bram Stoker. So Van Helsing and Dracula uh, uh, are within the same. Dracula the novel. Then Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde is a different book. Yeah. And then Frankenstein's Mary Shelley completely different book so all of these iterations of gothic horror are mushed together and then they don't really make sense because it's kind of like a who's who of a canon that doesn't that exists now for us but like didn't exist at the time and then not in 2004 obviously but like you know when was i think dracula was written in 1897 it's it's been a long time that's like um well the film is set in the 18 well, the film is set in 1887, 80, 80, 80, yeah, 80, 80, 80, exactly. Yeah, so around exactly the same time. The same but that's interesting. It's just like, the, so Universal Studios decided to just basically like look at all the gothic horror genre of books that had like, like monsters in them and mush them together. Exactly. Just because they were like, we can, we can try and create a universe within this. Yeah, exactly. And in the, in the 30s, they kind of made a massive killing on those kind of monster, monster mashup movies. Because obviously... They had the Bella Lugosi Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was amazing and obviously like different for the time. And then that kind of made quote unquote horror popular. Those kind of, you know, the thing, Frankenstein, oh, Dr. Jekyll, yeah. Mr. Hyde, all of those kind of things that appear in gothic literature. And then they brought them to the screen, which is a good thing to do because obviously then you can just lift directly from the page. But <laughs> it those were kind of done by the studio that in black and white they seem a bit creepier whereas this was obviously clearly the first five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes is great because it's a direct homage to the 1931 version of i think it's frankenstein yeah yeah because and then that's where you get that famous you know that it's alive yeah quote. yeah that's where that's where that's from and then and then it just flips and it's cool but i just feel like some of it's just unnecessary and just elongated <laughs> does it cheapen it somehow like this adaptation has like cheapened a kind of a sort of legacy a bit could you argue yeah, a bit. Could, argue, could you I, I think in a, because, in a weird way just because it's yeah. trying so hard to like make it attractive to big audiences but on paper it sounds like a great idea bring van helsing to the 21st century make him hugh jackman have kate beckinsale and then like a great backup cast but then it's just written quite badly. There's so much overacting in it. So many bad fake accents. We'll talk about all of this in a bit. And then it just kind of becomes a product of, it's just a bit shit when you rewatch it as an adult. As a kid, I feel like obviously kids like this film. 
I mean, if your parents are going to let you watch it, there's a lot of imminent peril and a lot of grossness in this. Mate, I got... So I'm surprised that my parents let me watch this as a kid. I got but... some... I was... I remember being nervous watching this one, but enjoying it. And I think that was, but that was how I felt as a kid generally about watching like films like Lord of the Rings, watched it over and over again, but was still very nervous around it. This film is quite on brand for us, by the way, because of that Lord of the Rings reference, because Faramir's in this, which is the big... Oh, yeah, 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 Faramir's um, in it, but yes, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, he's just a friar? Literally, yes, he's the friar. And I like was so taken aback because obviously I recognise his face and I was like, why the hell do I recognise his face so much? It again takes me so long because I think because his voice is obviously his voice is put on in this, in this film. Yeah, it's very over exaggerated. But his, he is my favorite character in this film. I realized, but that's like maybe from a growing from like watching it now as an adult. He was. Yeah, I felt a bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, sure. <laughs> so the first ten minutes. So let's start from the start. Yeah. Well, you get introduced to Trans- Transylvania in 1887. Yeah, and. It's like the townspeople. It's all in black and white. I like that it starts in black and white, though. I feel like it makes it more atmospheric. And then it kind of irked me that they then changed it to colour when it's set one year later. Oh, yeah. It's just like, it's like, it's like the society. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Carry on. So the townspeople are, you know, keep trying to break into the castle that Dracula, mm-hmm. Dr. Frankenstein and the monster and Igor are in. Yep. And like they're just annoyed. Well, you know, townspeople are just like a mob, a mob of people just like angry. Yeah. <laughs> this is a side thought, but like I feel like in these films, when there's always like a mob of people because they're bored as hell, like they're just generally bored because it was usually that time of in the like in the 1800s. What did you have to do all day? You were just like anything <laughs> would just anger you, so you just like go and like bash yeah. down the door of a castle because one because something different was happening. Anyway, that was just a tangent, but like can I just say that my favorite line in this is that Dracula says to Dr. Frankenstein, "I pity that your triumph is being overshadowed by something so little as grave robbery." And it just made me laugh so hard. Oh, I was that's like, like <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> I that, that's why you have a mob. <laughs> I was really creeped out by the grave digger, but he was kind of oh, like, yeah. He's, I think, he's not introduced as a, he's not really introduced as anything. He's just like a character that's sort of focused on a bit more than the rest of the mob. Yeah, he's got Lucius Malfoy vibes. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit like, ugh. he didn't really like slimy. him. Yeah, very slimy. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, so then we the monster and yeah, Victor Victor, Victor Frankenstein escape. The mob yeah and then just get crucified by a windmill well actually the windmill gets set uh, on fire doesn't it yeah i yeah, yeah. so one of the first things one of the things i noticed a lot during like the first like 10 minutes and i it's a it's a recurring thing is that the music does not go with this film at all the music is very kind of like it would fit more like robin hood kind of vibes than like because it's very like cheery and like bard music <laughs> mm. whereas like this is gothic technically a horror film and it's raining constantly and i noticed it in the credits as well but it was also at the beginning but there was like there was some sort of like really heavy beat to it that i guess is obviously trying to make you feel like something is obviously gonna happen like scary but it doesn't work and it's kind of distracting and that was what i really wrote, wrote down see i really i really <laughs> disagree because my favorite part of this film is the scoring i didn't say i, I didn't just, say it was bad i literally just thought it was very distracting <laughs> like it's just no i know i agree that's what you've you've pinpointed it it is very like body it's very smooth i put it as like an adventure like thrill seeking music because you know why 
it's kind of the same music that they used in The Mummy. Ah, yes. It has that kind of like swashbuckler, Indiana Jones vibe, but kind of Arabic twang. That's what I also wrote down. I felt like it had like the, for something that was set in like Eastern Europe, it didn't feel like, it felt more like Middle Eastern vibe. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, because I watched it with my dad and he was like, are you playing Arabic music? So <laughs> one of those things that I think they've, put in and it works but then it also doesn't really fit with the tone of the film do you know what i will say actually because there is a tiny bit and i can't pin i can't remember where it's the same composer as his name is alan silvestri i think and he did for mm-hmm. he did like forrest gump back to the future and he's done a lot of marvel films and there is a particular little bar of music that i recognize in this film that is also the same opening to like the same kind of score as the general Avengers theme. And I recognize that like it. And I was just like, well, yeah. that maybe like proves how much I do need to I'd watch those kind of films. But then I guess maybe it was their attempt yeah. because they have tried to modernize the characters and the character. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to modernize the music and make it slightly different. Yeah. just flips into colour one year later inexplicably okay I'll take it <laughs> yeah they, it's like they, they couldn't commit to the um, they, they couldn't commit to the whole black and white thing they just wanted to do a little tiny bit yeah definitely yeah. so introduce a Van, what Van Helsing in Paris a year later my favourite detail of that introduction was that the Eiffel Tower wasn't built in the background I which know, I think was really cool I noticed that too it was like on it yeah. it was being built at the time so you know history yeah they got their context correct so we meet i really didn't like this bit i don't i didn't remember this bit i was like what is happening so this is the bit where so van helsing is tracking down dr jekyll mr hyde and i really really didn't like it i just thought it was the cgi was bad van helsing definitely would have died unless he's some sort of immortal supernaturally strong man he literally gets chucked through the ceiling you're not surviving that hun (laughs) I also, like, was very distracted. I was really distracted because I didn't realise that... I mean, again, this film decides that they don't... They want to do something different with the characters. That's fine. But, like, I didn't realise that Dr. Jekyll is, like... Is Robbie Coltrane? Yeah, first of all, that. But also, like, does his... <laughs> does his Like, in the books, does his body actually, like, change to that size? I don't... I just didn't realise that he, like, becomes his actual monster. I thought it was, like, a personality switch, basically. But they've obviously adapted it to, like, go further than just personality. Yeah, in my head, it's just a personality change. But I feel like in every film that I've ever watched about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, they do that lazy thing of... They change him into a, a monster. Like a physical and thing they make as him well. Like a thousand times. Yeah, because have you ever seen, what's that film? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And it's like Shane West, Sean Connery. And there's just so many people in it. There's like Dorian Gray. What is this film? <laughs> Maybe we should do this on the pod because it's so funny. And it's what you can tell that I like this kind of genre film because I really liked it as a child and I feel like maybe I should watch it and then I have my childhood dreams dashed. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Maybe it is one of those things because, you know, in, in books, it's like when books are, are adapted into film, like people, they, they feel like they need to obviously, you know, 
obviously show things like obviously show yeah, things yeah, yeah. so like you know it's implied that like his personality changes in the in the books I'm assuming and like that's how I've grown up knowing what the character's like but for like people to really actually understand what his thing is they need to physically and make it really visual because people respond to visually to things so much better than just implied metaphors you know exactly I thought it was really unintentionally funny oh my and God. also just yeah. not conducive to the plot i just did i feel like it didn't help i know it introduced van helsing but i was just like okay so now people are calling him a murderer for killing a man who's literally murdering other people i didn't like this whole murderer thing because i was just like isn't that his job really Mm, agreement with the with god i don't know like why like he has a reputation we find out like later on that he has a his like he has a big reputation because everyone seems to know his name and then like they're all like mm-hmm. you know whatever they respond to him and however they do but like then why do you call him like then you if you know his reputation then you know he kills people obviously like kills things that are inherently evil and like these monsters so why are you calling him a murderer <laughs> i don't know babe like, it's just very confusing <laughs> but you know we've already mentioned that the script was bad so the story was bad so it's fine these things don't make sense <laughs> but um yes i agree with you Van Helsing, Van Helsing, like, wouldn't have survived 100% that. 100% not. None of, none of it is he surviving. I found it really gross. Like, I know that he, sorry, back to, like, Dr. Jekyll, my site, whatever. I found it really, really gross that he ate, like, his cigar. <laughs> <gasps> I wrote that down too. And he put it out on his own face. Yeah. What? And, like, also the fact that, like, Van Helsing found the body of the woman that was killed and then there was just a cigar, like, in her hand. And that was how he knew it was like like the specific person. I don't know. That was his like like it's like a it's, it's like a serial <laughs> like, killer leaving like a little like clue. Yeah, but it's like but he's acting like men didn't smoke cigars, but every man didn't used to smoke cigars. Especially at that in, especially what? in Paris. So <laughs> yeah, you know, what? all right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that's so yeah, funny. So we so we're introduced to Van Helsing. If you if you're coming. If, yeah, if you're coming into this film thinking that he's just a vampire killer, you're wrong. He's a monster killer. <laughs> which oh is completely, gosh. which is the funniest thing, actually, to be honest, now thinking about it. That's like, yeah. we're supposed to just think that he, Van Helsing is a famous vampire killer, but no, he has to kill everything else. Oh, this film is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but also about your point about it being, you found it gross. I feel like this film does have loads of gross moments. It did. And I kind of appreciate it though, because there are some films now, they're like, they do this really like, you know, they're like coy directing style of where they want to hide the real gross bits because... That's true. I just felt like some of it really made me cringe. But then this film obviously didn't hide from it, but there's some stuff that's just so uncomfortable to like look at. that it's like, can I just like half watch the film for like five minutes? Because I'm just slightly on. I'm like, just don't know where. Like, I'll look in the top corner of the screen. So we introduce, and then what? He goes to like confession. He he goes to yeah. Is it the Vatican? I feel like it might be. Yes, it's the Vatican in Rome, and he goes to confess. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is the pope? Not the pope, but you know, priest again, recognized him he also said some great lines he says when they ask you to bring someone back they don't mean as a court (laughs) (laughs) and then he's like showing van helsing so this is a friar who's played by faramir whose real name i do not know david 
David Wenham. He's an Australian actor. Bigo. And he said, oh my God, can I... I wouldn't have got Australian. Yeah, can I just, like, can I just, can I just say one thing about him? This is not to do with this film, it's to do with Lord of the Rings. He said in an interview (laughs) that the reason he, he joked that the reason he got casted in Lord of the Rings is because him and Sean Bean play brothers, right? And he was like, the only reason that they, that he got casted is because him and Sean Bean have big noses. (laughs) I literally, I was reading his Wikipedia page earlier and I was like, oh, that's funny. Completely, completely unrelated to this, but related because his character in Lord of the Rings is so different. But then again, like these are the only two films I've ever seen him in. Can I just shout out to the hair and makeup department for whatever wig, for whatever wig they put the fryer in, Carl, it has that perfect (laughs) flick for the whole time. Even though he gets submerged underwater plenty of times in this film, that flick still stays and it was so good he's literally hanging from a bridge at one point <laughs> the flick in his hair is still there it's so funny but he's amazing he's a friar and he likes to remind people that he's a friar not a monk and he's like a yeah. sign he- yes because they do some gross stuff with him as well which we're not, we'll go into later <laughs> but he's kind of like um, a scientist event inventor type person and he knows a lot about yeah i guess like weapons and stuff which is really cool but he's kind of like the right hand man sort of sidekick character yeah i really like him yeah i agree i i really liked him as well and then (laughs) they cut to so that then they cut to transylvania and you see the brother that they've been talking about so he is a prince of a family who have decided that they will kill dracula and if they don't succeed their bloodline does not succeed in killing him then they will all suffer in purgatory so van helsing is sent they made to a deal them. with god they made a deal with god there's a lot of religion yeah. in this film which i completely like did not clock when i was a kid yeah i did agreed. not realize how much religion but also, was in they this. just kind of shove it in but they don't explain anything this is the thing they never that nothing could, there's no explanation because she because van helsing gets a briefing <laughs> like a debrief like a briefing about his mission yeah. because he gets shown ripped up piece of parchment that is a clue <laughs> the other one in the film and by the priest I'm assuming and introdu- we're introduced to like the story behind the family and then the brother and the sister and we oh the sister's like what Kate Beckinsale Beckinsale yeah. they do that thing which I've mentioned previously in the podcast but they zoom in on the face because she's super beautiful yeah <sighs> Her hair yep. stays in place this whole damn film. Oh, wow. It's incredible. They're the most unnatural, natural curls. Yeah. They're so ringlety, it's quite funny. But the brother is Will Kemp, who you will know from Step Up 2. Shut <laughs> up, is he? Will Kemp. And he is not a good actor, He's man. Brit- His accent is terrible. He's British and it. That, the accent is... I know there's really bad accents in the film. Is His is one of the... One of the. T- is I up found there. it really interesting because we're now introduced to like the the family and their backstory, blah blah blah. And I found it very interesting that, and I think <laughs> this reminded me because it's also a re- like it's also something that similar that John Mulaney has mentioned in his stand up, where it's mentioned in like the Bible. But men always have like really fancy names. So in this case, the brother is called Velkin. And then the sister, well, in John Mulaney's bit, he's like, the wife is like a basic name. But his sister is like Anna. 
And it's just like Velkin is like yeah. this like, you know, historical gothic sounding name. And then the sister's like Anna. And because I didn't know, because I didn't hear her name for the first, like the first time it was said, I didn't know who she, I didn't know her name for like a good bit of the movie. Yeah. Hugh Jackman said her name. And I was like, is that her name? It's real basic. Is, is that, that it? Because yeah. I just thought it was really interesting because I, it was just like a good, I just remind me of that like bit, but I was like, I thought that was quite funny. I think it is a good point, especially because she's supposed to be a princess. They would never name her Anna. Shut up. <laughs> Like, they just wouldn't. You you have in Eastern Europe, you would be called Anastasia. There's so many other names that come from Anna. You would never be called Anna. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Can we just talk about her <laughs> her entrance? Please. I was a I I was about to that we could dive into her entrance because I have some notes. It does the thing of the pan into her face and then it goes all the way down her body and I'm just like, unnecessary. Yeah, come on, Stephen Summers. What are you playing at? Yeah. <laughs> We're, we don't... I mean, she looks great, but why is she wearing such a tight corset? I was like... I don't understand. Every single townsperson, Van Helsing and Fry and Carl... Carl, Carl, so funny. Carl, Carl, Carl Everyone looks like they've got like multiple layers on. Why the hell is she wearing a linen shirt and a corset? Isn't she cold? No, like she, like they've obviously. They've also, I also hate this and it's still a thing as well. Women in like action films stop putting yeah. them in heels to like do anything because you cannot, you cannot fight monsters in heels. I don't care. Like you can still have a flat, you can have a really, st- you need Dr. Martins. Give them Dr. Martins. <laughs> yeah. Give them Dr. Martins. Stompy shoes. Give them stompy shoes. We want yeah, them. Yeah, because you can run, you can run easily with them. They grip when you need to climb. <laughs> Holly's out here rapping for Dr. No, Martin. I'm just like, it's so unnecessary. It's kind of like, it's so annoying because they still, it's 2020 and we've got, we've just had Wonder Woman. We're still, We're still doing, doing it. it. And Wonder Woman yeah, is no. still got, is still what, trying to fucking save the world in wedges. And I'm like, why? Well, I mean, they do the same, they do the thing with her is that she's wearing all these skin tight things that her weapons look kind of stupid <gasps> because they don't really have anywhere to yeah, go. They- so they're just there like a toy, like she's dressed up for Halloween and there's like a weird toy belt on her and she's got these swords like banging off her hips because where is she supposed to put them? She would obviously not be carrying around an unsheathed sword. Get out of here. It looks... This is not real. Like, I what? agree because it like her cost, her like her outfits are so skin tight, which makes me question how easy it is actually to move in them. But also like mm-hmm. it makes all the weapons like look way too big yeah. compared to her. Like it's just... Like, why does it, why does Van Helsing get like a very, very long coat that can like store everything? And she gets like, she gets like a cropped jacket with probably one pocket in it. I don't think there's any pockets in that, babes. Okay, zero pockets then. <laughs> what, maybe her trousers. Oh no, she has, I don't... The loosest thing on her, corset comes under her boobs and then there's just this weird fabric. It's like an undershirt, but... It's, and it's red, which is very... They're doing it to make her look sexy. Yeah, and I really didn't like it because it really looks like she's bleeding through the whole thing because they made a weird choice of making it white and red. Do you think that's a thing? Because obviously she's like, she has the red dress and the ball and like he's trying to make yeah. her whole her bride or whatever but yes I didn't like her entrance because also she's I don't know if it's Kate Beckinsale's acting or it's just general overacting but she does weird things with her legs like she's always like standing yeah. and then there is a bit where she puts her leg up at, like a, at a level that's a bit too high for Kate Beckinsale so it just looks a bit stupid and it's just like all the but I wonder if that's because they tried to cut her stunt double like they've cut it weirdly oh my <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I completely forgot I, about that. I really don't think that she did. She did them. No, but it's just. I really. 
I like her though. I think she's really underrated and I feel like she takes bad part. What did you think of her accent? Oh, wow. <laughs> Let's not even... Should we talk about that now? Because it, I was really angry about it. Was it was so bad. <laughs> okay, so I understand. It was very bad. I understand that you're trying to be Transylvanian or whatever, but I also found the Count Dracula's accent very abhorrent. I really didn't like it. This is clearly like a riff on Bella Lugosi that you guys can't do and didn't... Like, did you get... <laughs> an acting coach to do this because you should have fired them this bad uh, I feel like surely you should have some like you should do some research in before you uh, do the act Kate is, she's British and the other guy's British Richard oh there's so many there's, why are there so many Australians in this film yeah yeah I think they're either Australian or British Dracula is played by Richard Rock, Rock but Ro- Robo he's Australian yeah and he his his yeah. accent was very weird but you could tell that that's not his real yeah it's very bad linguistically they're all quite bad and then it felt like they didn't even try because halfway through you can hear them all slip or they over over accentuate it's kind of like that thing that we talked about in the last Christmas episode with Emma Thompson doing an accent and she did it as a comedy accent and this feels like they tried to do it sincerely <laughs> but it's a comedy accent <laughs> Yeah, just like too much. It kind of takes you back a bit and then like you kind of get used to it because obviously you're watching the film because the film is so long. Yeah. But then it's just when they're introduced. Also, Kate Beckinsale, she's like, like her features on her face are very like accentuated. Everything about her is the makeup in this film is very interesting as well. I noticed. Interesting is a good word. (laughs) But um, yeah. Um, Also, speaking of, if we want to carry on with costumes. Yes, I love all Dracula's brides. Yeah, I was going to ask... The, the makeup was bad on them I was well. just going to ask you, what did you think of their costumes? Well, not costumes, clothing. Clothing, I guess. Both loved and hated them. So I really liked... I really didn't like the girl in the pink outfit. Which did, what was her name? Mar- the one that died last. I really oh, didn't she's, enjoy she's like a ginger one. She's the ginger. I just... Because yeah. I was just like yeah, ginger, yeah, yeah. black hair... Well, ginger hair, black hair and blonde, um, brown hair. Blonde hair. The three... Yeah. The Powerpuff Girls, essentially. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, the dark-haired lady was my favourite costume. Oh, my God. Her, like, I literally, there was a bit where, like, she was, like, talking to Dracula and I was completely not listening because her body was amazing. I know. I know. She has this really cool, it's like a strip of cloth. It's kind of like they forgot the breast piece of her clothing. <laughs> and then they just have this, like, turtleneck type thing. And it's really cool. I really liked it. It kind of gives me Aaliyah in Queen of the Damned vibes, which I enjoy. I think she's played... Oh, my God. (laughs) She's played by... Married to the guy that played Dracula in real life. And she's Italian. She's an Italian actress. I feel like the thing that annoyed me was, you know, when the wives attack the village and then they're kind of in their, like, weird CGI flying bodies. They looked very creepy. They've aged bad. The the CGI has aged badly, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second because I have some nitpicks with that because I find it really annoying. (laughs) But they're just around and then they kind of change between their human bodies, I want to call it, but obviously they're not human, but their beautiful physical appearance to their scary vampire appearance. And one, the blonde one is just basically in harem pants and a bra. And I'm just like, what is this costuming? That's the that's the one like that's like the main one I had an issue with. Is she the one? Yeah. She's the one that died first. Yeah, yeah. Mariella. I get. Yeah. I might have made that up. I don't know what her name is. But yeah, I was kind of like, what is that? Some does someone not like double check this before they agreed yeah. to this? 
But um, I did think that it was quite interesting that they were the only characters that had like colourful and bright kind of costuming. Mm. Everyone else had like dark, obviously leathers and like browns. And it was like a contrast. And also that in their, I guess, vampire bat form, they were pure, well, technically like pure white. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting that they like contrasted their costumes maybe it was like to show like wealth and like luxury not sure yeah i really like the green the green fabric that they use it was really nice i they were like they did stick out with me and it was i guess compared to the only other real female like main female character in the film they were maybe like they didn't have to have like i don't know because they're vampires they don't really need to dress for like action because when they're fighting they can literally just fly Obviously, they've decided to adapt characters very differently to how we're, we know them. But their form of, like, a mm. vampire bat was weird. Like, the wings <laughs> joined up to the legs. I just don't understand, especially how... Because, obviously, Dracula turns into this creature that's a weird, like, muscly bat, which I find very strange. And then they're just these... They kind of look like... Is it those flying... You know those flying lemurs? <laughs> <laughs> Like, they like look like paragliders. Oh. Do you know what I'm about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, like that's what they look like. Yeah, they're like yeah, flying lemurs are like flying squirrel <laughs> kind of things. Yeah, and I feel like the CGI. If you're gonna have a characterization, have some continuity. But then it's obviously we're trying to make them sexy, so they give them boobs with no nipples, which is very weird. And it's kind of like they're naked, but then... This is the thing. It's not, it's creepy. Like, like I couldn't, like, it was kind of like they wanted to show off the female body, but then they were like, like yeah. this is not an actual human, so we're going to have to <laughs> make it. We, can, we can't obviously have every detail that we want to put in. You know. It was very kind of, it was very overly sexualized, obviously, but then like, you know, yeah. they were also very sexualized characters because all they really did other than like fight was moan. They just constantly moaned in the presence of Dracula because they were so in love with him. Yeah, that and they're like kind of orgasmic. Licking and touching his face. Yeah, and they did that with Kate Beckinsale's character, Anna, as well. There was a lot of licking of her face. I didn't really enjoy that. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <It wasn't... laughs> and I feel like Dracula's bride should be kind of badass because there's three of them. They're immortal bad bitches and what is this like i don't understand this is okay also this scene when we are introduced to the like and it's the mate it's the first like fight where like they infiltrate like the the village the town, town. this is yeah. where we first were introduced to the the how you can kill a vampire in this in this specific film it's yeah. very different to how we've all grown up with how to kill vampires for whatever reason <laughs> yeah so like the friar previously has packed all of these weapons for van helsing like holy water silver stake cross they don't seem to... And, like, this big... <gasps> this bow and arrow that Van Helsing seems to be not able to use because he just, like, I get really stressed oh. out by it because I'm just like, you're supposed to be a killer. Why the hell... Like, why are you just shooting randomly? Don't you have aim? Like, it has a little... I notice it. I paused it. It has a little, like, thing that you put your eye through to aim at something. And he didn't even use... Yep. I was just like, this guy is bad at his job. You have read my mind because I literally wrote, Hugh Jackman has fired that many arrows and didn't hit a single thing. What? How can you be... How can you hunt any supernatural being if you can't even aim? I know, it was really frustrating. And then, like, the sun comes up and they all disappear and then you, Anna pops up from behind something and you see Sirachi surrounded by all of these, like, arrows that have been missed. <laughs> it's 
so funny. And I'm just like, is Van Helsing really like, is he actually going to succeed? These, he's a, supposed to be a trained huntsman of monsters. Surely he has some skill. Exactly. And that, I think that's kind of where some of the comedic value comes from this film where it's not intended. <laughs> because because <laughs> what, what is happening? I just, but then he knows he and her both go to that well in the middle and they know that some, something's in it and something's going to come out the of it. The minute the sun comes, the sun disappears. Yeah, the sun disappears. Yeah. I got yeah. really confused by it because then like because they did they make a point of the fry in showing Van Helsing obviously they've made a point of the fry showing back in the Vatican like showing different weapons of in their important like so if they're yeah. highlighting on a specific thing it was obviously important for the storyline and if he hi- highlights on this bloody archer thing then like you would think it would actually be useful that was something that was really frustrating for me yeah and I feel like they did that through this film because I was just like one of my other notes is how has Anna stayed alive for how many ever years she's been alive for? Because they've captured her in the first 10 minutes of us meeting her and then like flown her and dropped her from cloud height. She would definitely die. Mm. She just falls through some stuff and she's fine miraculously. And then she she just keeps getting captured and keeps getting hurt and keeps getting kidnapped. And I'm just like, how is she not dead? How like how is she the last of these people to survive? I don't understand. Mm. Because... I feel like in this film, most of these people, these he- heroes, quote unquote, should have died because there's no way that they wouldn't have. They've been bested a lot of the time. Yeah, we get kind of get in like a look into Anna's like family home a bit because it's like so completely filled with weapons. From that, I just I kind of kind of assume they may have had a bit of training here and there because it's like their whole yeah life has been like defending their family and the family's like honor. Oh, I hate that in films. It's so annoying. Like, I'm literally just like, all right. Yeah. It's just like, there's a lot of things that they, I feel like they like cheated death a lot. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just like, that's fine. But in a, out, in a film that's over two hours long, it starts to get a bit ridiculous. Mm, and unbelievable. Yeah, there's only so much, I feel like there's only so much you can do with that. Yeah. And then I just felt like by this point, you're about 40 minutes in. And I was just like, I've really just don't know what's happening and then everyone kind of just hates dracula for killing a vampire which is so also so unintentionally funny yeah they're like really annoyed at him because they're like oh it's fine like they only they only kill like two people a month or something it's all right and i'm like <laughs> yeah. why is he here I'm like what the village people don't want him here but he's been told to come here who was he told to come here by was it the order just f- yeah because like i imagine it someone Ask the order to send Van Helsing because it's like a private investigator sort of hiring thing, but it's not. So like, yeah. who? <laughs> I didn't get it. So no one wanted I think him it's there because it's a matter of their souls of the family, right? So I think the whole thing is like a it's a religious. Okay, it's a religious thing. Stepping it's in. a religious thing, isn't it? Yeah, but they don't make it clear. No. And then they also, apart from Anna wearing a giant cross, there's like no mention of their religion at all. No, there's like a church where like. He got holy water. He like dipped the the arrow in holy water oh. and like shot and shot shot the vampire. But then yeah, it's not much. There's a lot of religion, but it's not explained, and it's very strange. And then Anna and Van Helsing have a discussion in the house, and then Van Helsing basically like gasses her. <laughs> And she falls asleep. Yeah, there's a lot of 
violence towards women that is very unwarranted. Like he chokes her at one point as well. And I'm like, so this is guy. This guy's supposed to be our hero. I don't understand. And he's supposed to be saving her life, but he keeps her- harming her. And then, spoiler, he kills her. He's the reason that she dies in the end. I wrote down. Oh well, okay. Actually, I won't make this point just now because we haven't got to that bit in the film. But like, so then she wakes up from her like like attack, and like she can hear something in the house. And then she goes into the weaponry room, <laughs> the weapon room or whatever. And it's just this, and then it's that like we introduce the werewolf and we introduce her brother. I'm sorry, but it was so funny. You know, when he's like dripping blood and then he just randomly, she sees him and then he randomly scuttles up the backwards up the wall. And it was so funny. Mate, these are the, this is one of the few things that I definitely remember from a kid because this is the bit that actually I got scared at. And then it just made me nervous. But the bit that really stuck with me was the scene like you just mentioned he scuttles up the wall like a crab and like it's just like suddenly he's spider-man and can stick to a wall because the moon has covered and then it's now uncovering so mm. he turns back into but oh my god again steven summers what are you doing every time he what every time he shed, turns into a werewolf he sheds his human skin it's so disgusting wasn't it like a snake yeah like a snake and then every time he turns back into a and <laughs> in, into a human he's born out of like the fur of a Oh, and then it's just it's shots of him turning into a werewolf and then goes to shots of like Kate Beckinsale just crying and then back and forth, yeah. back and forth. And I'm literally, I'm just like, all right. <laughs> it didn't occur to me that the reason she was crying, obviously she was sad for her brother, but the reason she was crying, she was like, no one can know that he's a werewolf. It's going to tarnish our family name. I didn't realise that that yeah. because she mentions it like straight after. The transfer, the tra- who, who did the character design? I need to chat to them. Transformation stuff is really bugging me because it's so... It is one of those things that's really gross to look at. But interesting. Nice that they, you know... I completely agree with you because they just drop the cape, but it's his skin. Just like the right? thought... Like just the thought of your own skin, like peeling <laughs> off. Oh, it, Like, sorry, you can't watch me, but I'm like... Oh. My shoulders are really high up in my, near my ears. I'm so just uncomfortable i also felt like that about you know when they find the cocoons of the babies can we talk about them oh my god you know when he's digging through i was just like this is so unnecessary no there are so many swords on your body there's so many things around you use something why are you using your bare hands to dig through green goop please no so i wrote this down because i had a basically but i wrote it from a different perspective because i was so this came out in 2004 and Obviously, the CGI technology had not been massively developed or it was like relatively like kind of new, like it was not great. And it's obviously shown that because it's aged badly. But I did say the pods are really gross, but it's kind of cool that they're not CGI and they're like physical props. I thought that was really cool. And I really liked the fact that like at least like the one, the close up shots that we had of the one that he was cleaning out and the one that was behind Anna was like felt felt physical and it was oh cool we actually have an actor interacting with something that's not a, like a green thing model yeah yeah yes it was kind of like did he forget that he had like a dagger on him or something to just like slice <laughs> it open but it was Aww. really disgusting it kind of reminded me of just like alien or something maybe was it alien mm. like there's a blob like something oh, I just hate it it was kind of cool that he's like, oh, he said it in passing. He's like, oh, these are all their kids born dead because they're vampires. So they need to be brought to life. Oh, oh that's a cool yeah. flip. Yeah. But like, OK, so the general storyline now is Dracula is trying to have like, loads of kids and he needs to bring, yeah. them, bring them to life. <laughs> Weird. Which kind of makes me sad for him. He just wants to be a dad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. But in the most gross way. Oh, mm. Mm-mm. 
it's a very it was very strange it's kind of like a caterpillar isn't it yeah i wrote it looks like a cocoon but they're so gross aren't they <sighs> there's just so many things that i just feel like were unnecessary like i like that detail i think that was quite cool but just going back to the werewolf bit of her brother i felt like that subplot was unnecessary because they did it but then they just never a explained it or b used it to its full advantage so it was kind of just like a means to an end and i felt like they could have just shortened it you know she get he gets he gets like changed at like the beginning of the film doesn't he yeah and then he dies does he die when does what happens to him he dies like three quarters of the way through because then because Dracula's experimenting on him. Yeah, he's kind of an irrelevant character, isn't he? Yeah, but they use him as like a weird subplot, which doesn't really get that much traction. Yeah, it's not, it's weird. Then the pods explode. So, do they? They birth, which is also disgusting, and then they're alive. But then they die don't they? Well, so Dracula wants them to be fed, so the wives take them to the village to kill all the villagers. So I'm also like, if you live in a village that you know vampires visit, why would you go outside? Why don't you just not, like, relocate? There's like, I I know. But, like, it's the 1800s, I don't think it's that easy. Okay, yeah. This is a side note. Then, they're not strong enough, so they start to explode in mid-air, and then the wives are, like, screaming. For a long time. They're very maternal, but they take it very personally. And then what even happens? Like, I don't even know what happens until the masquerade ball, where, because Anna's captured. This is the bit. So whilst whilst the babies have come to the village to attack, we see an inside bit of Carl, the friar. He is Mm -hmm. researching about the folklore and legend behind behind the this whole thing the the family issue mm-hmm. and he's like like slept with some girl that he met that's not needed i feel like it was a gross it was just a bit gross like it was unnecessary yeah it was really strange but then he accidentally like presses on the like backs into a wall and it ends up being like a secret picture and it shows like yeah. it's in latin so he can read it and it shows like two knights fighting but then they turn into a werewolf and a vampire and it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. you know a little clue to what's happening next but he does then that's it and then we don't really see visit it again until later on because we kind of now introduced the point fact that you there's no real that they still haven't figured out a way to kill dracula because they don't actually even for 400 years the family's been trying to do it and they still haven't succeeded yet mm. and so like the typical stuff that everyone thinks can kill vampires is not true essentially the chariot race is it the chariot race? oh no well they go to they go to Kate Beckinsale and Hugh Jackman and go to the old burnt down windmill and find Frankenstein monster don't they so out of all of this stuff they survive being attacked by Dracula's brides twice mm-hmm. and a horde of newly created vampire children and Dracula himself. Then they go to this windmill that was shown at the start of the film, like the first 10 minutes, where Victor Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster were supposedly killed in a fire and then fall through the floor. So they literally can't catch a break. and then. 
Frankenstein's monster's just chilling there. He's been there for like a whole year, just living there. Yeah, and he's like under underground because they like drink some absinthe and then they like fall through the ground. Some absinthe that Van Helsing's just magically held on to this whole time. It's very strange. And then like he explains that Dracula needs him because he's the source of life that he needs to basically bring his kids to life. Bring his children back. Yeah. yeah. So that's one subplot or whatever. Oh, and then, but then the fr- Carl and Van Helsing decide that he's going to, that they actually need to rescue him. And, and so they take him, they want to take him to Rome, but then that's when the chariot thing happens. Yeah. So they try to save Frankenstein's monster from Dracula by trying to get him out of Transylvania. And Dracula finds out. So he, instead of going himself, he sends his brides and they chase the chariot that's taking the monster away. And the brother, like, and his brother as a werewolf also chases. Yeah, and the werewolf. And it's kind of a shit show. It's like they've, de- done, a, they've done a decoy, they've done a decoy one that's got a bomb in it with like silver stakes that kills, that kills yeah. one of the brides. And then the other, yeah. the actual real one that is being driven by Anna has the Carl and the Frankenstein monster in it. And then that's attacked by the werewolf. But then Van Helsing gets, I don't remember him getting bitten. Then they find out that he's got, he's got bitten. So then now they're in Budapest. So then they've got this stupid like, Two, what, 48 hours or something? Yeah, it's three days. Three days, like, timeline or time constraint to, like, make sure before Van Helsing fully turns into, succumbs to the curse of the werewolf. So they've got that yeah. added on, that pressure. And then they've got this masquerade ball, which is the bit that I definitely remember from childhood because I remember them dancing and I remember them dancing in front of the mirror and Dracula doesn't have a reflection. Oh my God. I'm going to say that's my favourite prop of this film. Favourite? The most iconic bit, it has been burnt into my brain from childhood. I thought it was super cool when I was a kid. I still think it's cool now. It's And also Kate Beckinsale looked really good in a dress. (laughs) I mean, yes. Yeah. And it was all on Halloween in Budapest. I was like, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just say, why would Dracula have a masquerade ball? It's ridiculous and unnecessary. So this whole theme of this film is like them coming to a village that they literally have nothing and then her being in this house full of weapons and then they're suddenly at this elegant masquerade ball with loads of performers. It's really He random. calls it his summer house, which I find kind of funny. <laughs> which like kind of is like a like a joke now you think about it considering where he like actually where his like secret lair is. Yeah. But then like they end up Carl and Carl is, Carl is unfortunately dressed like a jester. Yep. But, you know, comic relief, whatever, needed. Then, like, they go to the ball and they try and save Anna. But then it turns out that the whole, all the guests from the ball are vampires. Yep. <laughs> um, forget the timeline. And then, what, they escape the ball? Is that what happens? Yeah. So they, so he re- rescues her, then they escape. And then they try to save Frankenstein again. Frankenstein's monster again. And Dracula gets away and then they're just, Swimming after him, but obviously can't reach him. Oh, it's just very... yeah, because the, so they take Frankenstein monster to like his secret lair, and the Carl is like, yeah. Carl is like, we can't save both of them. We can't like save the monster because he's not essentially human. Yeah, I don't get all these laws. Like this is the bit where it gets really confusing. But this is the part where it should have been like, oh, because you know, like they should have brought in all those politics and religion things, but they just didn't. Yeah, and then and then Carl goes on this like takes them back to the house. And it's like, 
I've done some research. I've been figuring it out and like who's like who murdered Dracula and like why he did it. And he's like the left, the left hand of God. And then like, you know, the door. Mm-hmm. Kate Beckinsale was like, my dad stared at this, this map the whole time. And then apparently the, I don't know, all the behind the scenes. And then we find essentially find out that the, the way to kill, because Dracula has an antidote to become a werewolf. Like, no, antidote mm-hmm. to people who are werewolves, right? So he can... T- yeah, so if if you're bitten by a werewolf, the, what's the, the law in this film is that you have three days and then when the moon, when the full moon appears on the third and final day at midnight, you'll, you'll be a werewolf forever. And he just has a cure. Dracula can say it can only be destroyed or killed by a werewolf due to legend. Yeah. And this agreement or whatever. No, I, I think that... See, this is, this is it. It's so confusing. It's not a legendary thing. It's something that they pieced together because they were just like, why would he have an antidote being a werewolf? That's so weird. But he can't... And then they realise... He can't turn into a werewolf, can he? No, no. no so exactly. he's, he's like... That's, it's because the werewolf's the only thing that can kill him. So any time that a werewolf doesn't do his bidding, he'll just turn them back. Into a human, which is probably what they want. Right. Yeah, but also, it, but it means that they won't kill him as well because that's the only thing that, like, the stake through the heart doesn't seem to kill him. The holy water doesn't affect him. The garlic thing doesn't affect him. It's interesting. Just side note: the guy that is Igor, the creepy assistant, is also Benji Benny in um, the Mummy, which I found quite funny. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. His facial <laughs> makeup was scary. I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of this, like explanation and like secret passageway kind of stuff Mm. that kind of wasn't explained the best way so kind of that kind of stuff i usually really like because i love the big reveal of like piecing everything together but i feel like they rushed it in the last half an hour i felt so lost find out all of this stuff in the last half an hour because they haven't told you enough Enough. of the stuff through the first hour and a half that they have to like rush in at the end otherwise you won't understand the ending do you think that because they were like we said at the beginning they were paying homage well the film claims it's paying homage to all of these different characters that are from all different books and different stories that they felt that they needed to uh, overcomplicate it all a bit too much to try and fit to link every character to like the plot point so they overcomplicated the real story behind why it's so difficult to destroy dracula and like oh, change and, and like and change the very typical and very easy simple way that we've all grown up to know how to how, what vampires don't don't like. I think the reason that I really dislike the film is because it's really overstuffed with stuff. So overstuffed, and it's all it too late. It's all too late. Yeah. Like all everything happens like we've just said it was all too late. Also, this is now we've got this like ticking clock because Hugh Jackman is about to turn into a wolf. But I did mm. write down Hugh Jackman and wolves. Very common pairing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Very common pairing. And I was just like, oh, do you think he's he was the guy, like, you know. The wolf guy. He's the wolf, he's the well, wolf guy. Well, interestingly, they cast him <laughs> off the back of X Men 2. So maybe that's why. So they obviously saw, saw, saw he could play like a character that's, in, you know, inspired by wolf. Interesting. He has a lot of stuff going on that's kind of not. He doesn't. Because I feel like this film is about him, <laughs> but it's not about him at all. Do you know what I mean? Like the film we has don't... his name, but it's not really about him. Because he's also like, there's, there's also this other tiny subplot that where like he doesn't remember his like past. Let's talk about that because <laughs> it bears no semblance to the plot. It's never explained. They never like delve into it, and he's never he's like doing that weird, confused 
Hugh Grant face. Uh, Hugh Grant, wow. Hugh Jackman <laughs> face of him being like, oh, I'm torn between my two sides, but we don't know what they are because he never gets the character arc. I also, yeah, like you said, I still don't think it's actually fully explained because Dracula kind of says it at the end and I'm and we're like but okay so from it, that one from that one line like from you're the left hand of God and like what does that but mean? But he says it at the start as well because he's like you and I know each other don't you remember and he keeps calling him by name also this is a weird thing that they renamed him Gabriel so is that a religious it, thing religious name yeah, like so, the but is it he's supposed angel, to be an angel which angel doesn't Gabriel. make any sense because they never talk about that either God's right hand man like yeah, is that I like I just feel like it was very unclear as to what they were trying to do because Hugh Jackman's character as Van Helsing has no backstory because convenient amnesia. It's such a lazy, like, boring trope if you don't fucking explain it. I just thought, like, again, this... We've we've said it again by with other films, but maybe this script could have had, like, a couple of more, ref, like... Iterations. <laughs> Iterations. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it needed that time for editing out bits that really didn't make sense, like, things that weren't needed. It's kind of like, yeah, they hyped up the background, the, the, him not remembering the background and having this, like, ring or something. But then, like, were we supposed to ever know that Dracula's, like, finger was missing until he showed <laughs> showed the finger was missing? Like, I, I didn't realise. Like, that's, like, Peter Pettigrew kind of crap. Like, you know... <laughs> like you know that his like you know that the finger is missing because it is mentioned in the Harry Potter books so often that it's a thing Dracula has a finger like he a just, ring finger he just missing he up his hand and he's what like maybe I'll get my ring back and then he has no finger on that ring finger and it's just like okay cool like no one mentioned a missing finger and no one mentioned a ri- oh it's like my brain hurts. My brain hurts from this film sometimes. So then this all happens, and then there's just like the weirdest ending. I want to say like it, all of it's so compressed. So Dracula being killed, Van Helsing killing Anna, and her delivering the cure to him all happens in the space of about five minutes. And the third bride is killed by and, yeah by Anna, by Anna, and She's the and her, the yeah. yeah and the Frankenstein monster it's a, can like. Can barely walk, but can swing a, like on like a electrical cord around a no, around a ice castle. <sighs> also, when they have this bridge between the castle, which is ridiculous. I had a bone to pick with the architecture as well, but that's yeah. Just... I do, it does not make sense. It doesn't make any sense. I know Dracula can fly, but no way is he having a weird bridge. Why would he even have a bridge then? It doesn't make that bridge any sense. Also, that bridge also architecturally does not make sense because it doesn't have a sec. It doesn't have a middle pole to support it. Anyway, that was <laughs> an, that. This film broke. This film broke my brain. So that was what I've picked up instead yeah. of um, anything else. So but, so they have that, and then they have this this CGI moment of Igor dying and it's so overtly done it looks like we're in a computer game like I look I feel like I was watching a PS4 game (laughs) it's just like Igor wasn't even really he was a significant character but he kind of like he had his moment really at the beginning and then wasn't really like that focused on during other bits and then he had a very kind of dramatic death this is the point of they should have rewritten the script because I feel like this one is this is for the fans but it wasn't because no one is a fan of this but it's like the two sidekicks going against each other. Yeah, Yay. I didn't like it. Also, because like in real, in re- like if we were being realistic, like Carl would have died. Carl would have died a long time ago. The friar is dead in the village, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the friar is not making it to Dracula's castle. Absolutely not. I just can't believe the character of it. I don't understand it. Anyway, I know. like it was so stupid.
they have what it felt like. I half imagined that they were going to do one of those like bloody Viking funerals with Anna. <laughs> Let's talk about that funeral. But they did. <laughs> just, um, I just remembered what happened. Okay, so firstly, she's a fucking princess. No way is Van Helsing going to be the one to set her her pyre alight. Absolutely not. There's not going to be two people at her funeral when she's a princess of Transylvania, whatever. And then they do the cringiest thing of the, her face is in the clouds, seeing her family, I and they're going to heaven. That, that and it is like Van Helsing rem- having all the remembering all the memories of that they had together, and I fucking lost my mind in that I bit cackled. that was the I bit cackled that, so loudly. that was the bit i laughed out loud at because i was like oh, oh, oh my god that was so funny i've i've rewound it and i watched it four more times just so i could laugh harder at it it was so ridiculously funny oh it was so funny and then and she ends. sheds uh, one single tear one and then single tear. just like yes i'm happy now i'm the girl that i love also their love story Shall we talk about it just not being a love story, mate? Like, well, we like there was no there was no chemistry between them or flirting at all, and then they suddenly kissed. The only thing that I can count as flirting is you know in the first bit that they meet and she is dropped from the sky and she lands on him and like his face is between her crotch. Oh yeah, but that was about it. And that's it. I feel like that's the amount of flirtation, and then there's like a whole. You know, will they, won't they dance, but they don't really have any time time together. So I don't understand how they're then, then they then kiss and then she dies for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because. <sighs> I know. I thought it was like a bit pointless. Like, okay, yeah, Dracula is defeated, but then like the whole point of it was to like save her family's line or family's honor and then she dies. Yeah. Right? It felt a bit like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. Right, I'm fine. I know. It felt a bit... Yeah, whatever. I didn't like it. <sighs> also, there's just so many unanswered questions. So many unanswered questions. Why is he... Why is he... Why does he have amnesia? What is the link between Dracula and Van Helsing? <gasps> what is, does, has Van Helsing been alive for 400 years? I don't understand. Please, s- someone please translate what the left hand of God means. Like, <laughs> honestly. No, what? No, that's the left... So, what does it mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm so confused. This is the thing because this is the important. This like all of this like backstory explains is there to sh- that should explain everything else and like the reasoning behind this film and because it's so badly explained doesn't yeah. work. I feel like at the end of the film, I was just like, I don't really know what's happened. I literally had no idea, and it was two hours. I'm not getting back. So I know, but I'm really sad about it because when I was younger, I really felt like I enjoyed watching that film. Yes, I did. It was one of my favourites, for sure. So maybe it's one of those, like, good for escapism, but when you're actually... But don't ever rewatch it, because you can't watch it. It's yeah, imbued with that can't... childhood nostalgia. Well, yeah, for you us, can't watch childhood, it. but, you know, for other people, it might just be nostalgia of watching it in the, in the 2000s. But then, I also have a bone to pick, because the CGI wasn't good, and this is after The Matrix came out, and the CGI in The Matrix is great, so... You're liars. You could have done good things. <laughs> I wonder if like Universal didn't have a lot of money. But they did because the budget, $160 million. Jeez so this, Louise. So, so this film had massively negative reviews, but made over $300 million in box office. Jeez. So it nearly doubled its budget. Okay, so I'm going to guess IMDb. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Five point... 
close. It was 6.1 out of 10 for IMDb. 6.1? Yeah. Oh, dear. What do you think about Rotten Tomatoes? That's percentage. Oh, that's more critics. I'm going to go lower. Like 40%? No, 24% (gasps) on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I feel like watching it as an adult, I think that's, yeah, I would give it, I'd give it what? Maybe like three? Four out of ten? As an adult, I would have given it a three three point five out of ten. As a child, I'd give it like a nine out of ten. <laughs> yeah. As a child, like, I'd as, definitely give it, yeah, between like a seven and a, a like an seven eight, or eight an and eight. Half. Yeah. Eight and yeah, a half. Eight, out nine of 10. And, yeah, like I loved this film as a kid, but I definitely know. I wonder like I wanna think back, did I maybe it was one of those things where as a kid I literally just watched it but never took any of it actually in. Yeah. Because I'm I was very prone to doing that. Because it's more exciting. Because you you don't care about any of the, the explanation backstory. when you're a kid. Mm. You kind of more you care more about the action scenes, and there's a lot of them in this. Yes, and you yeah the fighting and like kind of like the the whole the monster side of stuff was really in, like yeah. really really cool for like interesting for me as a kid. And we we both quite like like vampire films and stuff like that. So I feel like maybe that's why we liked it so much as children, and now we're just like oh, but that's not how you do a vampire film. Yeah, I was just really fascinated by like supernatural monster kind of horror things as a kid and then now we're watching films and we want explanations for why things happen and we want a good plot and this did not deliver unfortunately no but you know it's still (laughs) what can you do it still has a special place in my heart (laughs) i just wasn't expecting the rewatch i wasn't expecting it to be bad no, you know I, mean? I was upset that the rewatch was bad. I was upset that this was actually quite difficult to get through. Yeah, I found fa- I found it really hard to get through in a frustrating way because, like, I was like, surely, why is this not as good as I remember? I'm annoyed no, about I it. I definitely agree because I was just like, I felt like I would. I've watched this film more than once in my life, and I've never mm. found it as arduous to get through as I did this this watch. I really mm. wanted to turn it off at like 40 minutes. I was just like, I really yeah, want so to watch I. the rest of this. I just, so it's now a TV show. Yeah, I saw that. Would I watch it? Don't know. Mm-hmm. And also Stephen Summers expanded the story of Van Helsing with two direct spinoffs. No! An, animated, an animated prequel called Van Helsing, The London Assignment, uh, which focuses on his mission to stop <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And then a one-shot comic book which is called Van Helsing from beneath the Rue the Rue Morgue, which follows Van oh, Helsing. Oh yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, it f- follows Van Helsing on a self-contained adventure that occurs during the events of the film, just after the death of Jekyll Hyde in Paris, but before Van Helsing returns to Rome. He do- he deals so with Doctor Mor- M- Maru and his hybrid mutants. So it's in- so it's like a one-shot story in between Par- like Paris and Rome. <laughs> that he has just before this big one. Oh my so god. Stephen Summers, what you've got some time on your hands. Yeah. But you know what? I really like the mummy. So I'm just like, what have you done? The mummy was really good. Really yeah. enjoyed. It's one I of mean, those like, really like iconic films. in it that I'm not into when I, I rewatched it the other day and I was like, I love this film, but there's some stuff that I'm like, oh questionable. And also <laughs> Rachel Weiss's like, fucking eyebrows. Jesus Christ. <laughs> But other than that, it's a good film and CGI in it is really good. And they had a, a smaller budget than this film. So I don't know. Not, I'm not into it. I'm really sad about this because I feel like I've just ruined my ch- some of my childhood memories. 
like it was it was just upsetting that like um it's a uh, you know come to it's like it was just a difficult watch mm. but maybe that's just like how th- things is it's, it, i guess it's <laughs> interesting to i guess i just think it's just interesting to discuss it from an adult's perspective because now we're realizing the plot holes and just the things that were wrong with it that we didn't notice as kids no, I would also like to take this time to apologise to my parents because I definitely made them watch it with me a few times <laughs> and they must have been just like, what What the hell is this? Why didn't they warn us? Maybe they were just doing it to, like, you know, appease us. I mean, I did do that with my parents, like, with all the Rings and my parents have no idea what's ha- what happens in all the Rings considering how much they had to sit and watch it with me. Yeah. But anyway. Well, well. Anyway. That's it for this week. <laughs> we don't recommend it. yeah uh don't you you you're gonna lose two hours where you could be watching a very good film and so and a good there's lots of good hugh jackman films a lot of good vampire films out there so um yeah yeah, i think i'd rather watch underworld and then a different frankenstein film maybe a different Mm. werewolf film as well actually underworld has werewolves yeah go for that one instead (laughs) yeah okay Right. Well, um, if you have any suggestions, please send them to bad, badfilmpod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Do you love the Bad Film Club? Consider supporting us through the ACAR supporter feature. It's up to you how much you want to give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in our show description to support us in any way that you can. We really appreciate it.